Okay, welcome to Wednesday Night Bible Study. We are the Acts of the Apostles, part 19. Let's open with a word of prayer. Lord God, we thank you for this opportunity to go into your word again. We thank you uh, for this podcast, that are people that are listening via podcast. We thank you for those that are here in person, Lord. We just thank you, Holy Spirit, that uh, you got our conversation that uh, you are the teacher here as always, that uh, you guide us and strengthen us and encourage us through the Word of God. And so, Lord, we just thank you that uh, we glean understanding and application in all of this. And we just give you thanks and praise and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. We are in Acts chapter 21, beginning in verse... 27. And just to recap, last week where we left off, Paul finished his his uh, third missionary journey. He was back in Jerusalem. He was giving a report of everything that uh, happened. And then remember, he was warned uh, by by the other disciples, and also in a in a dream and a vision, not to go that that, that if he goes to Jerusalem, he was going to be persecuted. And so he realized he was going to go anyway. So uh, here he is in Jerusalem, and now we're going to pick up what actually happens. So Acts chapter 21, verse 27. It says, And when the seven days were almost over, this is where he was doing a Nazarite vow with some, with, with some others, and there was a temple thing that they were doing there. So again, And when the seven days were almost over, the Jews from Asia upon seeing him in the temple, began to stir up all the multitude and laid hands on him, crying out, Men of Israel, come to our aid. This is the man who preaches to all men everywhere against our people and the law and this place. And besides, he has even brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. For they had previously seen Trophimus, the Ephesians in the city with him, and they supposed that Paul had brought him into the temple. And all the city was aroused, and the people rushed together, and taking hold of Paul, they dragged him out of the temple, and immediately the doors were shut. So here he is in the, in the middle of worship, in the middle of, of uh, temple there, and it says that the Jews came and got him. Now realize, these are not necessarily believing Jews. It says Jews from Asia. These aren't Jews from Jerusalem. These aren't local Jews. These are Jews from Asia. And so uh, the commentaries will tell you that most likely these were people that were Jewish by nationality. They weren't necessarily Jewish because they were following temple worship and and biblical practices. So these Jews from uh, Asia. And so they come up with all these accusations uh, that he, that basically that he disrespected Jerusalem and the temple and temple worship by bringing Greeks uh, or Gentiles into the uh, into the uh, uh, into the temple, and so just I might refer to this again later, but there's a little picture. This is a temple, and. If you were an Israelite and you were worshiping in the temple, you could come here, the court of the men, and this was inside. 
If you were not a practicing Jew, you would be on the outside here. If you were an observer, if you were a Gentile, you were even on the far outside. You didn't really enter into the temple area at all. So in other words, for Gentiles, this area and this area were off limits. And this is where the priests operated. This is where the altar was, and this is where the holy place was, and the holy of holies in here. The priests were in, in here. And so worship would be going on, in, you know, there. But Gentiles could only come out here. And sometimes in the Bible, they're referred to as Greeks or Gentiles. It just basically means they were not Israelites. So they could not go into the temple proper. And so this is what they're accusing him of. They're saying he's, because remember, his ministry was to the Gentiles. So they're taking a little bit of information, and now they're stretching it. And trying to bring up accusations on him, saying, "Oh, he's bringing them into the temple, and he's he's doing all this stuff." So, the opposition came from unbelieving Jews, uh, who, for the most part, were believing Paul was teaching Gentiles to disrespect Judaism. So, in other words, for a Gentile to go into the temple and not be conformed to Judaism, it was disrespect. Okay. Uh, so that's that's the big uproar there, and so so they're calling they're they're causing a disturbance, you know, uh, about all of this. So verse thirty one to thirty six. So they dragged him out of the temple, and then the doors of the temple were shut. So now verse thirty one, and while they were seeking to kill him, notice how upset they were. They want to kill him for this. Uh, to kill him, a report came up to the commander of the Roman cohort that all Jerusalem was in confusion. And uh, this can also be translated as rioting. And at once he took along some soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. And when they saw the commander and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Then the commander came up and took hold of him and ordered him to be bound with two chains, and he began asking who he was and what he had done. But among the crowd, some were shouting one thing, some another. And when he could not find out the facts on account of the uproar, he ordered him to be brought into the barracks. And when he had got to the stairs, it so happened that he was carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the mob. Paul couldn't even walk through that. It was so chaotic. For the multitude of the people kept following behind, crying out, away with him. So now you have Paul's taken into custody. So from this point on, for the most part, until the end of his life, he's going to be in one form of arrest or another. Okay? Um, so the crowd is out of control. This is, a, this is an out of control situation. The mob is taken over. And it says the commander finds out about this. Commander is the is the Greek word chiliarchos, and it means leader of a thousand. But he also goes to the centurions, and centurions are leaders over a hundred. So what you have is, is quite a few soldiers, and all of a sudden brought into this picture. So you can make a, an excellent case for there's uh, the commander is there; he's in charge of a thousand. But he brings two centurions with them in their group, the cohort, and so there's at least 200 or more uh, Roman guards there. 
uh, trying to calm the mob down. He's just trying to, the commander is just trying to find out what's going on. He doesn't know who Paul is. He doesn't know any of this. Because again, he's, he's a Roman and this stuff is being taken place inside the temple. He's, he's, he's not allowed in the temple anyway. And so now he, he, he doesn't know what happened, what this guy did, why are these people upset, all this stuff. It's just a mob mentality and, and uh, everybody is shouting different things. Uh, about disrespecting the temple and, and, and Gentiles coming into the temple and all this stuff. So any thoughts or questions there? Okay, verse 37 and 39. And it says, And Paul was about to be brought into the barracks. He said to the commander, May I say something to you? And he said, This is him saying to the commander, He says, Do you know Greek? He says, then you are not the Egyptian who some time ago stirred up a revolt and led 4,000 men of the assassins out into the wilderness. But Paul said, I am a Jew of Tarshish in Cilicia, a citizen of no insignificant city, and I beg you, allow me to speak to the people. So here Paul is there dragging him away from the people, from the crowd that are trying to kill him. The commander's trying to figure out what's going on. They're trying to get him into the barracks. And Paul now stops the commander. And, 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 and you know, the commander has to be a little shocked at this point that uh, uh, this guy knows Greek. You know, he's, he's, he doesn't know who Paul is, but he assumes uh, he's this Egyptian guy. Um, Josephus, who is a historian of the time, writes about a fellow, don't give his name, but his, he, was in a, he was from Egypt and he was, he, was, he was an imposter. He said he was a prophet and he was trying to gain access into the temple and he had a bunch of people with him and he caused a big riot and they had to come and they had to kick him out. And so the commander is thinking this Paul might, might be this Egyptian guy because it, you know, it says right there, uh, 39, then you are not the Egyptian who some time ago stirred up a revolt and led 4,000 men of the assassins, that's your name, out into the wilderness. Uh, uh, so he says, you're, you're not him. So he's just trying to figure out who he is. And so Paul's trying to identify himself uh, for a good reason. We're going to find out you know, in a second. Uh, so this is just chaos, which you have from verse 27 down to this. It's just total chaos. Everybody's out of control. Nobody's knows really for sure what's going on. But something is going on and it's, and it's all around this Paul guy. Okay, So now you have verse 40. Paul now is going to address people. And when he had given him permission, Paul standing on the stairs motioned to the people with his hand. And when there was a great hush, he spoke to them in the Hebrew dialect, saying, Brethren and fathers, hear my defense, which I now offer to you. And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew dialect, they became even more quiet. And he said, I am a Jew, born in Tarshish of Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated under Gamala, strict strictly according to the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, just as you are all today. 
So Paul now gets control of this mob by identifying himself. It says he speaks in the Hebrew dialect. And what he's speaking in is Aramaic. Aramaic is the Hebrew dialect. And it's just a, uh, uh, it's a form of Hebrew, but it, but it was the common language, Aramaic. Aramaic is still spoken today. Uh, Hebrew, biblical Hebrew was basically the language of the Bible, and it was the language that the priests used. Hebrew today is nothing like biblical Hebrew. It's a lot different. Uh, it's, it's just a lot different. Uh, um, and by the way, Hebrew, as it was written originally in the Bible, is written uh, without without vowels. You know, and so uh, the way they learned how to pronounce it is the way that it was spoken. That's how they learned how to pronounce it. But it was written without vowels. They have, the vowels were added later, and so he's re, he's he's now speaking to them. First, he reveals to the to the. Uh, um, to, to the commander there that, that he speaks Greek. He's trying to get this guy's attention because he was raised in the area and if you went to school in that area, you learned Greek. So he knew Greek and now he addresses the crowd who's predominantly Jewish and now he speaks to them in Aramaic and he says, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia but brought up in this city, in other words, he was he was brought up in in Jerusalem, educated under Gamaliel, who was the teacher of the time, uh, strictly according to the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, just as you are today. So he makes a connection with these people. He's saying, you know, I'm just like you. I'm one of you, and uh, he's going to be giving himself a defense here. But what he does is he gets their attention by doing this. Because, again, you've got an out-of-control mob, and now all of a sudden he gets their attention. Thoughts, questions? Good. Okay, verse 4 to 5. Because now he's going to be going into his defense. Verse 4. And I persecuted this way, capital W, meaning Christians. Because remember, Christianity, they were known as the way. Mm -hmm. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So they were referred to as the way. And so he said, uh, I persecuted this way to the death, binding and putting both men and women into prison, as also the high priests and all the council of the elders can testify. From them I also received letters to the brethren and started off for Damascus in order to bring even those who were there to Jerusalem as prisoners to be punished. Now here he's saying, what you're trying to do to me, remember I was raised as a Jew. I was devout. I was raised here. I was going after uh, those people, you know, the the way. We know them them as Christian. He said, "I, I was... I was after them, and, and the, the priests can testify of this because they gave me letters. And now what he's going to do, he's going to be speaking and paralleling what we read in Acts chapter 9, the account of his conversion. But every time he tells this story, we're going to hear it about two more times, we're going to get a little bit more information about that event on the road to Damascus. So 
Uh, here he said, again, and I persecuted the way to the death, right? Uh, binding and putting both men and women in prison. So we're finding out now more about what he was doing. He was putting men and women, uh, he was binding them, you know, he was he was taking them uh, cuffed into prison. And also the high priests and all the council of the elders can testify. From them I received letters. And in other words, he was validated by the uh, Sanhedrin. He was validated by the high priests. He was a Jew's Jew. You know, and, 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 and so this has got to be taking those that have suddenly wanted to kill him by surprise. You know, it's like, whoa, wait a minute, what's going on here? Uh, uh, so, uh, so Paul's talking about his prior opposition to the church. And so Paul's point is that he was committed to the law and was removing Christianity, you know, the Gentiles. Uh, but he's setting them up for his dramatic conversion account. So he's getting their attention. It's like all of a sudden, no, no, we were going to put this guy to death and he's one of us, but now he's going to take it one step farther. He's going to now go into uh, the gospel account in a sense here. So he's got him, he's got him set up. Verse 6 to 10. It says, And it came about that as I was on my way approaching Damascus, again, this is Acts chapter 9, about noontime, a very bright light suddenly flashed from heaven all around me, and I fell to the ground. Now remember, I tell you, Paul was not knocked off his horse. So when you hear somebody relating this account and they talk about Paul was knocked off his horse, he was never on a horse. He was walking. And again, the only ones that would be on a horse would be military. That was a weapon of war. If you rode anything, you would ride a beast of burden or a donkey or something like that or a camel. He says, And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, Who art thou, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus the Nazarene, whom you are persecuting. And those who were with me beheld the light, to be sure, but did not understand the voice of the one, capital O, who was speaking to me. So the others heard the voice, but they did not know who it was. They did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. Verse 10, And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Arise and go into Damascus, and there you will, you will be told of all that has been appointed for you to do. But since I could not see myself because of the brightness of that light, now here he says, because the light was so bright, I was blinded. You know what it's like when you see a bright light and then you try and you can't see. Well, he's going to be, it's going to affect him for three days. But since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. And a certain Ananias, a man who was devout by the standard of the law. So in other words, Ananias at one point was a Jew and well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there. Now he's relating to Jews that Ananias was a Jew, but we also know from Acts chapter 9 that Ananias was a believer in Jesus Christ. Okay, 
says, A certain Ananias, who was devout by the standard of the law and well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me and standing near said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very time I looked up at him. And he said, The God of our fathers has appointed you to know his will and to see the righteous one, proper name there, and to hear an utterance from his mouth. And for you will be a witness for him to all men of what you have seen and heard. And now, why do you delay? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling upon his name. So, Paul now continues his testimony. And Paul now is presenting the gospel that was presented to him by Jesus Christ. And this is later on what Paul is going to make his case in, in his letter to the Corinthians, Second Corinthians, when they challenged his authority as an apostle, you know, as a preeminent apostle. And he goes into this account. And basically what he says was, I was saved by the, by the uh, uh, resurrected, ascended, seated at the right hand of God, Jesus. That's where I get my authority. That's whom I was commissioned by. See, all the others were commissioned by somebody who was preaching the gospel to them. But the one that preached the gospel to him was Jesus. So that's his, 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 uh, uh, his, his, uh, his calling card, in a sense. His, his direct authority from Christ. Um, so you got to think about what's this crowd going through moments ago they wanted to kill him then all of a sudden they realized maybe they were making a mistake and then now all of a sudden he's preaching the gospel to them yeah and this is uh, uh, um, by the way this is this is classic preaching you know you get your audience's attention you grip them, you identify with them, and then you hammer the point home. Okay? That's that's just, you know, Holy Spirit preaching there. Uh, thoughts, questions on this? Because again, it's a straightforward account, but he's he's gonna he's gonna relay this account a couple more times as he's on trial, but every time he does, you find out a, a different little facet about it. And this is how we get the big picture of that. When I was in seminary, I think in my master's program, uh, my New Testament class, I wrote a paper on Paul's conversion and taking all of those accounts together and then writing a 20-some page paper on Paul's conversion based upon all the accounts in the Bible of Paul's, uh, Paul's conversion. I got an A, of course. Anyway, <laughs> um, any thoughts, questions? Good? Okay. So now, verse 17. And it came about when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple. So now after he was saved, right? Confessed his sins, repented, baptized. What does he do? He comes back to Jerusalem. He comes back to the temple because, again, that was a central place of worship at that time. It came about when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple that I fell into a trance. 
And I saw him saying to me, again, Jesus, make haste, in other words, go quickly, get out of Jerusalem quickly, because they will not accept your testimony about me. So he says, leave Jerusalem, because that's a hotbed for Paul. Because Paul was a Jew, uh, persecuting the church, doing what a devout Jew would do, and now all of a sudden he's a traitor. He says, they're not going to believe you. You know, he not only did the Jews not want to have anything to do with him, many in the church didn't want to have anything to do with him because they remember him being there with Stephen and Stephen being stoned, and they remember him persecuting the church. So, Paul is an excellent person to use for someone or ourselves who say, well, why would God call me? Why would God use me? I mean, look look at Paul. He's conflicted and attacked on on all sides. He's he's, he's got nobody but God to follow and to listen to. So, you know, he's stopped, he's blinded, so that he might see. He receives the gospel from Christ. He repents, he's baptized, you know, he, he confesses his sins. He goes back to where he thinks he should be going and and now Christ directs him says get up and leave here you you have places to go and this is how he ends up going on his missionary journeys but Paul Paul is alone for the most part here he he doesn't have a bunch of people that really understand what's going on i mean even think about those guys that were with him on the road to Damascus they were they were you know we don't find out what happens to them but they were in agreement with him persecuting the church. And all of a sudden he's blinded and he goes to this Ananias' house and the next thing they hear, he's a Christian. What the heck is going on? You know, this is, this is changing everything. This is every, everybody is, is like, well, what, what is going on here? You know, but again, this dramatic conversion of Paul, Really, the fact that it is Christ who 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 ministers to him, that it's Christ that, that that preaches to him, is what validates it so much. You know that, that supernatural occurrence, because this is something that is going to change and shape uh, the face of Christianity because of Paul's uh, influence on the, on the church and the letters that that he writes in the in the missionary work that he does. Uh, so Paul is an extremely fascinating person uh, to, to, to think about what he's going through. And, you know, you know, he's walking from town to town, so he's got a lot of time to think about, what am I going to say, what am I going to do when I get to the next town? You know, how, how, do, I, how do I assimilate, how do I become... Uh, one with them. I I I, I want to preach. I want to I want to I want to I want to 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 share the gospel, but some don't want me to do it, and I'm I'm, I'm hated by the Jews, and, and and Rome doesn't like me, and 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 you know, all he has is Christ, and so for us that's the lesson. Just all you need is Christ. You know, all he has is Christ, and so whose voice should we be listening to? Christ. Okay, comments, questions? Good. Okay. So we are. Let's see. Can quickly? Verse 19. 
Verse 19, thank you. And I said, Lord, they themselves understand that in one synagogue after another, I used to imprison and beat those who believed in thee. And when the blood of thy witness, Stephen, was being shed, I also was standing by approving and watching out for the cloaks of those who were slaying him. And he said to me, Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. You know, Christ's plan for Paul was always to go to the Gentiles. But, you know, again, Scripture to the Jews first, then the Gentiles. And, you know, Paul had to obviously be more comfortable preaching to Jews than Gentiles. Because he could he could relate Scripture to Jews. How do you relate Scripture to those that have never heard Scripture? You know, and that's, that's you know, the challenge today when we share the gospel. Sometimes, you know, you're going to be sharing the gospel to somebody who might even be in church or who has been in church or who's heard of Christ or who knows something about the Bible. You know, you can approach them one way, but what about that person that says, I never read the Bible, I don't care to, I don't, I don't want to. How do you approach that person? So Paul had to walk both sides of that. But realize what's going on here. You know, uh, he goes back to the temple and, you know, and he falls into this trance and he tells him, get up. Uh, uh, they're not going to accept what you have to say about me. And then verse 19 again, he said, and I said, Lord, they themselves understand that in one synagogue after another, I used to imprison and beat those who believed in thee. So he was going to the synagogue looking for Christians and, and imprisoning them. And 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 when the blood of thy witness Stephen was being shed, I also was standing by approving. So he doesn't he doesn't shy away from what he did wrong. Right? He freely admits what he did wrong, and watching out for the cloaks of those who were slaying him. And he said, to, and then he said to me in Christ, Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. So it's Christ that commissions Paul. Uh, to go to the Gentiles. This isn't something that the apostles decided to do. This is something that Christ had set aside uh, for Paul from the very beginning. Okay. So, talk about someone that's between a rock and a hard place. That's Paul. Paul's got no no easy road uh, on, on however he does this, however he defends himself. However, he, he goes about what it is he's got to do. So, again, back to the, my little commentary about he's on the road walking and thinking, how am I going to do this? How am I going to, you know, again, this is the importance of Acts chapter 1-8, the giving of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit empowers us to do what? Ministry. So without the Holy Spirit, Paul couldn't do ministry. As much as, much as, 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 as he... He, he knew the Old Testament, well, the, the Hebrew Bible at the time, which was the Bible, as much as he could teach, as much as he could, he could relate. Even Paul needs the Holy Spirit to open doors for him. He needs the Holy Spirit to, to help him say what needs to be said, to help him do what he needs to do. So again, I think the, the, the understanding in today's society, church society, and understanding of the role of the Holy Spirit, I don't think it's taught enough that, you know, without the Holy Spirit, 
church doesn't grow, the church doesn't evangelize, the church doesn't teach, the church doesn't learn, it doesn't, you know, the Holy Spirit. This is the presence of God in our lives via the Holy Spirit. So this is what's enabling Paul to do what he's going to do. Okay, thoughts, questions? Okay. Verse 22. It says, and they listened to him. Now remember, he's saying this. This is his testimony to those that wanted to kill him, right? He's still, he's still outside the barracks. Uh, and they listened to him up to this statement. So in other words, up until this point, they were listening to him. And then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. And as they were crying out and throwing off their cloaks and tossing dust into the air. So in other words, Paul says, wait a minute, I want to say something to this crowd. He gets their attention. He, he gives them his resume. He says, this is who I am. He goes into his conversion account. And then, you know, he begins to say, you know, as Christ preached the gospel to me, Christ who, who, who commissioned me to go and who's, who sent me to the Gentiles. Now remember, it's because of his relationship with the Gentiles that they're upset in the first place. So he just gets their attention to show them, this is the road, this is how I got there. You know, he's, he's not trying to get out of anything, but he's just using the gospel along the way as a, as a tool to preach to them. But why would they respond so drastically? When he got to the Gentiles, huh? When he got to the Gentiles, because mm -hmm. he was they he was they're listening to his whole story, and then he's saying how he's been converted by Jesus of Nazareth himself, and he was the one that yeah. sent him mm -hmm. to the Gentiles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and blasphemy, right? Huh? Blasphemy, basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's blasphemy against everything that they that they believe, but see, Paul doesn't shy away from it. He just puts it in his proper context. In other words, he's saying, "Okay, if you're gonna if you're gonna beat me up, if you're gonna kill me, here's here's the real reason. Don't don't de do it with a convoluted reason. Here's the real reason. This is why I'm doing what I'm doing. So, in other words, he's setting the record straight here, knowing full well it's going to upset them, which kind of is is dramatic in the face of the way we lives our we we live our lives now. We don't want to upset anybody. We don't want to offend anyone. We want to say it in a way that's pleasing to everybody. We don't want to get it out of line. We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. We don't want to this. We don't want to look bad. We don't want to want anybody to come down on us. But yet when you see what the early church did and what Paul did and how he did it, you know this is the way this is the model for the church you know we have to speak the truth even in hard places and that you know the my commentary here is this is why the church is in the position it is today without strong relevance because we stop taking a strong stand against things and saying things the way they should be said you know and uh, you know across the board and so I think we need to get back to to not only orthodoxy in our teaching, but also boldness in our preaching and, and what we do 
and not be so willing to be manipulated, you know, by outside influences. So, you know, uh, in the other thing here is what Paul is saying in the bigger picture is he's saying is that the God that, you see, he identifies with Yahweh, with them, the Old Testament. He identifies with them. He says, I am the same as you. I was raised here. I knew the law. I was trained by the best teacher. I know all of this. I know this. And then he says, on the road, you know, Christ stops him. God stops him. God changes his heart. God ministers to him. God tells him he's going to go. And so what he's saying in the bigger picture here is that the God that they know is now saying Gentiles are okay. And to Diego's point, yeah, blasphemy. This is huge to them because that's 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 going to blind them in 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 ignorance. It's going to blind them in hate. Because everything about Judaism, whether you were a devout Jew or you were not a devout Jew, it's that we are the chosen people, and and everybody else is less than. That was their thinking. That was their feeling. You know, we are chosen. And and we suffered because we are chosen. They don't go by we suffered because we disobeyed God. They go by we suffered because we were chosen, you know, which is bad theology. They suffered because they didn't obey, and God warned them through the prophets over and over. And so now Paul is saying, God is saying Gentiles are okay. And this is the last thing they wanted to hear. Last thing they wanted to hear. But Paul puts it in proper context. He injects... Jesus into the dialogue, right? He brings Christ right into that dialogue. He puts Christ right into that timeline. And so, and so this is what's huge for, for what he says. So any comments, thoughts here? Go this, this little last part. Verse 24. Uh, verse 24, the commander, who now remember, commander uh, is in charge of thousands, he's the one that's over the centurions, the commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks, stating that he should be examined by scourging so that he might find out the reason why they were shouting against him that way. In other words, he says, we're going to scourge him, we're going to whip him and, 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 and get him to speak the truth and get, him, and get, and get more out of him. Yet Paul was truthful in everything that he did, but this was the Roman way, and this is what people wanted. These are barbaric people. You know, we're going to get it out of you, and we're going to torture you, and we're going to get out of you what we want, basically is what it is. Uh, but this this is problematic, and we're going to find out why in a second. Verse 25. And when they stretched him out with thongs, which is those leather straps, Paul said to the centurion who was standing by. Now, Paul saying to the centurion who's under the commander, who was in charge of those that were strapping him down. Paul said to the centurion who was standing by, Is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? So now Paul is appealing He's raising a question to this Roman centurion about Roman law. Why would he do this? We'll find out. Verse 26. 
And when the centurion heard this, he went to the commander and told him, saying, What are you about to do? For this man is Roman. So in other words, Paul says to him, I am Roman. See, Paul was a citizen of Rome. He was a Jew. He was raised in Jerusalem. He was taught in Jerusalem. But in Cilicia, he was a Roman citizen. So he has, in a sense, like dual citizenship. But he is a Roman. So think about this. He's a Roman. He speaks Greek. And he's versed in in biblical Hebrew. And he speaks Aramaic. So later on, when you find out, he says, to the Jew, I am as a Jew. To the Gentile, I am as a Gentile. You know, perfect guy to relate to culture because he knew that culture in that reason, in, in that region very well. So here, he's about to be scourged, and so he says to the centurion, he says, uh, excuse me, but uh, I'm a Roman. And the centurion knows what this means, because you could not scourge an uncondemned Roman citizen. You could scourge a Jew, or somebody that wasn't a Roman citizen, to get information out of them, But if they were a Roman citizen, they had rights and privileges. And one of the privileges was they could not be scourged if they had not been convicted. So all of a sudden, the commander, the the centurion goes to the commander and says, wait a minute, what are you about to do? Because what would happen is if they scourged him, they could all be brought up on charges. Because he's a Roman citizen. So this now leads to the bigger picture that if we know the story and we say, okay, well, why was Paul under so many different trials? Because the Jews are going to try him and then the local authorities are going to try him and then eventually he gets sent to Rome. You know, like going to the Supreme Court. You know, his appeal keeps getting bumped up and he gets he gets moved, you know, along the way. That's why there's uh, several different accounts here of uh, of him being in jail in his his testimony. So, so let's see. So when the centurion heard this, verse twenty six went to the commander and told him, saying, "What are you about to do? For this man is Roman." And the commander came and said to him, "Tell me, are you Roman?" And he said, "Yes." And the commander answered, "I acquired." And the commander answered, I acquired the citizenship with a large sum of money. And Paul said, but I was actually born a citizen. The commander says, now look at this, the commander says, I acquired this citizenship with a large sum of money. And Paul says, I was born a citizen. So Paul says, you could probably be scourged, but I can't. In a sense. He says, I was born a Roman citizen. So he was trying to find out if if Paul came by his citizenship because of money. He says, no, I was born a Roman citizen. All the more reason not to scourge him and to treat him not like he didn't do something wrong, but give him different privileges because he's a Roman citizen. So Paul said, but I was actually born a citizen. Therefore, those who were about to examine him. Remember, examine him means to 
scourge him. Immediately let go of him, and the commander also was afraid when he found out that he was a Roman, and because he had put him in chains. So an unconvicted Roman citizen could not be scourged, could not be put in chains and bound for that, because he could get in trouble for just chaining him and getting ready to scourge him. So now all these guys that, that in a sense, have control, they've got an angry mob, but they've got a Roman citizen that they can't do anything that they just want to do. Okay? And next week we'll pick up the story. Because <laughs> next week, <laughs> Sophia's shaking her head at me. <laughs> the next week he's going to go before the Sanhedrin because what's going to happen is they're going to say, okay, let's sort this out. If he's a Jew and he's violated Jewish law, let him go to them and let them decide whether he's broken Jewish law. Okay, now this goes to something. Let me chase this rabbit because I've got, I got a little bit of time here. This is why, in the present state that we live in, you know, our Constitution says, uh, you know, the separation of church and state, the, the government should make no laws pertaining to the, uh, to the church, overseeing the church and the establishment of the church. Part of the reason is because they didn't want to happen in the United States what happened into Europe that there be just national religion. They wanted people to have freedom of religion. But the other side of it is that as our country is being set up, we're being set up with a constitution and our bylaws that govern our country. And so today you have lawyers, and especially constitutional lawyers, that their job is to interpret and understand the constitution. But those same people cannot make judgment on theological or biblical law because they're not trained in that. So what happens a lot of times when uh, an issue with the church is brought before a court, if the court is acting under the Constitution the way it should, and if someone makes their case that I hold this position because of biblical law, and they state their case on biblical law, the court will have to throw it out because they cannot judge on biblical law because they are not trained in biblical law. So this is the danger in our country right now, that if they start to make laws and rule against the church, they are now breaking uh, uh, constitutional law. They're overstepping the boundaries here. So the centurion is saying, I'm bound by Roman law. I can't scourge him. I can't bind him. These people out here are Jews. He's causing a, an uproar. So let me give them to the Jews. The same thing that they did with Jesus. Right? He went to the Sanhedrin first. And, and, and then the Sanhedrin convicted him. And then they sent him to Pilate. And then Pilate, the Roman governor, says, I find nothing wrong with this guy. You know, so Paul's going to go through the same system. And, but because he's a Roman citizen, that's how he ends up in Rome, where he writes the, the, those letters and stuff. So next week we're going to pick up where now Paul is, is giving his defense to the Sanhedrin. Thoughts, questions? Because after this, he's going to give his defense to the Sanhedrin. Then he's going to give his defense to the Roman governors. 
and then he's going to be preparing his defense uh, before Rome, but he uh, uh, never gets to do that defense. So at that point, we are going to hold it there. I want to remind you, if you're listening on podcasts, you can download the notes there. If you have any questions, please email those questions in. I'll make sure to answer them. And uh, also remember that we are open on Wednesday nights, 7 to 8 o'clock in the sanctuary. You can come here in the uh, Bible study room and participate live here and and, and, uh, ask your questions uh, live. But you can always hear the podcast. So let me just close in prayer again. Father, again, we just thank you for this time and our understanding. Lord, we just ask that you keep us safe, watch over us. Direct us, encourage us, and help us in all that we do. And Lord, help your church, Lord, in this trying time. Lord, help us to be strong. Help us to be steadfast. But Lord, help us to be Christ-centered in all that we do. And so, Father, in this, we just give you praise and honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Talk to you Sunday or next week.